0: Just look at the fucking bums you hang around with. What is nothing? Yeah, that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? That's deep, bro. That's deep. That's deep, bro. I'm your host, Christina P. Thank you for downloading this episode. I've gone back to old school, and I am not youtubing uh, this video. I am, I am, da- I'm done. I can't wear makeup today. I've just decided to go old school. Mama's too tired. She's wearing her sweats. I've got my hair in a nice ponytail, and I'm enjoying. A, it's Sunday. I think it's Sunday. I don't know. It's Sunday today. I was like, you know what, bro. Old school. So some business before we get into today's episode. Um, January 12th, I'll be doing the Ice House in Pasadena. February 2nd and 3rd, Salt Lake City, Utah at Wise Guys Comedy Club. And then February 23rd, I've added the Calusa Casino in Calusa, California. Um, And then March 30th and 31st, Portland, Oregon at Helium Comedy Club. So that's what 2018 is looking like for now. Who knows where it's going to go? I don't know. But for now, um, those are my... Those are my dates. Okay. What else? I have a store. Go to Christina P online. Um, I've got some shirts to sell. I got a That's Deep Bro podcast shirt, which is a great holiday gift for anybody that's a fan of this show. I've got some uh, blessing in the skies for those of you that are fans of the Netflix special. Um, Fully vaccinated for those of you that are (laughs) pro-vaccines. And then Mama Wolf, for the moms out there, makes a, makes a great Christmas present for those people in your life for, who are into, into that steepro or into uh, your mom's house or into me or into whatever, man. There you go. Okay. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silence. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easier. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Let's get into it, bros. We got a lot to get into. A lot to get into. Mm. Song, timeless classic. How come I never get tired of that? That stuff is so good, man. Anyways, great week. I've had a very busy week, which is another reason I'm not putting this up on YouTube. I kind of want to go old school. I want to sit in a dark room, which is usually where I do my best thinking and best existing. I don't, (laughs) right? I, I mean, does anyone do great with a lot of lights and makeup on them sometimes, but not really? Uh, last week, we had Paul Gilmartin on here. And if you have not listened to last week's episode, I highly recommend. Um, first of all, you should be subscribing to this show, but I recommend going back and listening to the discussion I had with Paul Gilmartin. He hosts um, the wonderful podcast, Mental Illness Happy Hour, which I have recommended on this show countless times um, because they deal with everything. I mean, you want to hear about uh, what it's like to have suffered. And gone through uh, the trauma of any form of abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, alcoholism, uh, ticks, borderline personality disorders, schizophrenia, you name it, nail biting, anxiety, depression, all the things that I love talking about. And quite frankly, I don't know why people aren't talking about uh, just that side of the force, that side of life, because. Surprise guys. It's, it's just the other side of the coin and it it doesn't have to be this terrifying place that we, we all don't want to go there. Nobody likes being sad or anxious. I get it. But um, if we just accept these parts of our lives, they become way less, uh, way less charged with drama. And and once you get not so afraid of your, your stuff and you deal with it, it really opens you up for the good things in life because now you're not Running away from those bad feelings, right? You're not running to a bottle or to gambling or to sex or to whatever it is. Whatever it is, we've all done to get rid of those bad feelings. So, uh, Paul is so knowledgeable, and he's really done a lot of work. He uh, he suffered some covert incest uh, with his mother, and he speaks very candidly about that on our episode and how he dealt with that and how he recovered and ultimately is the happiest I've ever seen him. I mean he came in here excuse me and he looked about ten years younger than the last time I'd seen him. So he's doing something right guys. Um and I would recommend listening to it a few times because he really dropped some knowledge bombs on me. And and I was like, dang, this guy's really he's deep, bro. He's got it. He's got his life together. Um so yeah, please check out Paul Gilmartin's episode if you haven't already. Um Thank you for everyone who submitted my Instagram requests for for the posters. I'm still going through those. I'm just so I'm backed up, guys. I'm backed up. But thank you and also for the barrage of emails I got in response to Paul's episode. Really positive. You guys are really you really feeling it, man, and I'm feeling you too cuz I you know, the holidays <clears throat> excuse me, are upon us and it's a real fuck of a time because that's, you know, that's like ground zero for Uh, for everything but I'm going to get into that for a moment first I want to briefly just say god damn it I got to do um Dr. Drew's podcast uh by the way like I I grew up in Los Angeles as you know and I listened to Love Line my whole life since I was a kid um and I've been listening to Drew since like 13 years old when they started Love Line uh with a radio DJ named Poor Man Like just some like that was the thing, right? You had to have like a cool DJ name. And I think, I think they still do like poor man or, you know, the Swedish Eagle (laughs) or wet man cat, whatever these names are of, uh, radio DJs. And I just, I've grown up listening to him and I think he's really dedicated. If you don't know who he is, Dr. Drew Pinsky is like a permanent fixture, at least on LA radio. And then he did a show with Adam Carolla called Loveline on MTV and then an HLN show And then Celebrity Rehab, which was probably one of my favorite shows on television because, you know, it didn't have to be with celebrities, but I imagine VH1 was like, nobody's interested in regular people. I have to watch Janice Dickinson, uh, you know, go through withdrawals. It can't just be uh, Susan down the block who's got a pill problem, which is so silly, right? I mean, um, if you can catch that show somewhere, I'm sure it's on iTunes. What a great way to learn about trauma. And that's... Initially, he. I feel like he's responsible for me kind of getting into therapy because I would watch Celebrity Rehab and um, the best part of the show is the therapy sessions that he would sit down and talk to these, these poor souls who were just suffering in addictions. And inevitably, the conversation would go something like... Uh, Dr. Drew would be like, so um, what was your childhood like? patient would go, uh, pretty good, pretty normal. I mean, grew up in the suburbs and, uh, well, I mean, there was this one time that my uncle molested me. Well, not once actually, it was repeatedly every weekend. And then on holidays, he would come over and do that. And then my mom would be drunk on the couch. But other than that, totally normal, totally functional, perfect, idyllic childhood. And, and what I saw, what I learned watching Dr. Drew talk to these famous people who are rattled, just just screwed in, in some kind of drug problem, alcohol or pills, whatever it is, sex addiction, whatever, is you realize that the trauma, everyone's got the trauma, right? Not everybody, but most of us have gone through something. And then um, when it's unresolved, turns into the seeds of problems. That's when you get into addiction. That's when you get into making bad decisions. That's when you get into all kinds of self-sabotaging horrors. And that is why I I, the the refrain on this show is always get your life, get your ass into therapy, man. You know, this show is never meant to replace anybody going to see um, an actual therapist. What it's meant to do, I hope, is kind of in line with what Dr. Drew did for me, which is like just awakening. You know, maybe some of you are drawn to this podcast and you're like, I don't know why, but I like hearing what this girl is talking about. I like there 's something i don 't know is it could it be that my family's wacky, and that maybe I grew up in a in a situation that wasn 't hundred percent functional and and maybe I should do something about it because i 've got crippling depression and anxiety, and i, I have this weird reaction, and I do this and that and the other um, and just know that it, like for instance i you know when I talk about this on my Netflix special, my mother was mentally ill, and i didn 't even really know it like you don 't even know it when you grow up in a wacky environment until, until I was maybe, you know, 28 or something when I started to be like, Oh, Oh shit. Like I always, I knew I didn't like being around her and I knew I didn't, I didn't enjoy her, her around me or talking to me or hugging me. I didn't like, I didn't like her perfume. Like I just didn't like, I didn't like, I didn't like anything about her really. Uh, but it's hard to admit and it's hard to, get your ass into a therapist's office and really uncover what those bad things are. Because I tell you, so many of us don't trust our our intuitions. We don't trust that something feels wrong, right? And I and I think it's because there's this idea of like, and, and Paul and I talked about this last week of capital T trauma and then the little t trauma, right? So capital T is the biggies, right? We all know those, yeah, I got molested by so-and-so, I was beaten, I was... Whatever the big ones, the ones we think of. I was in a plane crash. That's trauma. But then there's little t, which is the emotional neglect, or maybe the more subtle ways in which you were maybe not treated well um, as a younger person, or whatever. And a lot of us go, "Well, I not, you know, I wasn't locked in a closet for five years, so I don't have any kind of trauma. That can't be me." But I don't know. I feel like a lot of us have stuff. Anybody can go to a shrink and just work it out, man. Why not? Why not just work out your life? Um, so anyway, huge, huge pleasure finally getting to meet with Dr. Drew. And then also I did Adam Carolla's podcast, which was rad because I've grown up listening to him for a million years. And I think he's really funny and bizarre. And, uh, and yeah. And so big week, big week for me. Very exciting stuff happening. And um, there you go. So for today... I thought I would get into the holidays because uh, this, I believe by the time this drops, is it, oh my God, it's Thanksgiving already. Right. Okay. So fuck. Okay. Here it is. Fucking Thanksgiving, bro. This is like the beginning of the end. Okay. So here comes Thanksgiving and, you know, it's, it starts with Thanksgiving. It starts with the, the, the one meal, the obligatory meal that maybe you have to spend with just a handful of people that maybe you don't like a whole lot, but you do it anyway. Cause it's, it's one day, one afternoon and and there's football on television and I can drink and, and eat a lot and I'll just make the pain go away that way. And then, okay. So Thanksgiving is gone. Cool. And then comes the big pressure of Christmas. Oh, fucking Christmas, right? Here it is. I got to buy gifts for this list of people. Oh God. And I got to buy gifts for the the coworkers. I got to buy gifts for the babysitter and for the mailman, and I got to give money to you know whoever. Everybody. The gardener needs a check. The it's just endless, right? The the obligations start to come in, and the the stupid cards start to come in the updates of people's lives. And believe me, there are people who still do that. I have, I, I, pff, listen, I got a relative that sends me those cards and the letters, the updates. And you know, I think enough comedians have made fun of it. So I don't really need to, but man, I, you know, God, God bless the person that's got the time to put together the goddamn family photo card. I envy it. Frankly, I I really do. I, I still haven't put together like my child's um, baby photo album. It's been two years. <laughs> I have got time for that shit. Um, so then comes the pressure, right? Christmas. And, and also, uh, the pressure to be happy, the pressure to feel the spirit of the season. And I think that's where a lot of people get tripped up and upset. And, and that's where it gets real funky, right? Is like, oh, it's the, it's the most wonderful time of the year, right? That's what the song says. And jingle bells, Batman smells. Robin laid an egg, and Batmobile lost this wheel, and the Joker got away. It's, it's like all, all the, it's the Hallmark side of it that you're like, wait a minute, I don't feel this way. Why don't I feel super stoked? Um, and I think that's really the, the bad of it. And then and then comes a the family element, right? Which is what which I like to deal with on this show because. That's a real practical thing that you can control, okay? You can actually control a lot of the dynamics that are going to go down at at the holidays. So I made a list of 10 things I thought would be really helpful to anybody who fucking hates the holidays for this reason. But let me start by saying that I personally do not hate the holidays. Um, I don't because I've decided to reclaim them as an adult. I will not allow the years that my mother refused to cook Christmas dinner Bother me. She used to. Um, this is my favorite. Is that she she resented my stepsisters and my stepfather so much about the cooking thing, um, because you know you're supposed to cook a meal at home on Thanksgiving and Christmas and eat it, and she would make like Hungarian food. And I guess one time she felt slighted because one of the one of my stepsisters maybe didn't like you know goulash levesh or perhaps cow brains breaded and fried. Or maybe it's the blood sausage that their um, more American palates didn't really resonate with. And so <laughs> my mother, somewhere around year five of being married to my stepdad, decided there would be no more Christmas and no more Thanksgivings at the house And every holiday, we would go to a restaurant in the San Fernando Valley called the Mandarin Tiger, which no longer exists, thankfully, because one time I went to go pee at the Mandarin Tiger and I saw vomit in the sink. Yeah. And you guys know how I feel about vomit. So that was very traumatic for me, but also an indicator that maybe the Mandarin Tiger isn't the best place to eat your holiday meals at. But for whatever reason, Chinese restaurants tend to be open on the holidays. So remember that if any of you don't want to cook, not a bad option to go out for dinner. And why not? Um, But the point being, it was always very disappointing to me um to never have those home cooked meals at the holidays and to share a few laughs with my stepsisters, whom I very much love and to this day very much adore. Um, I like that stuff. And I it felt for like one time or twice a year that we had something normal going and of course she fucking ruined that. So I've decided to, uh, to redo the holidays as an adult and do them the way I want to do them. And you know what that means? That means, uh, Thanksgiving Turkey gets put away and I go fucking buy a tree ASAP. I go there on, uh, the Saturday right after Thanksgiving because I like a Christmas tree. I like the house smelling nice. And I'm not going to let my parents rob me of the joy of of decorating. I love glittery shit. I go down to the 99 cent store and I spend maybe 50 whole dollars and I feel like a millionaire and I buy all the twinkly things. I buy the Santa Claus things. <clears throat> I buy stockings. I buy ornaments. I buy uh, candles. I buy treats. I go to the Hungarian uh, place, the store. I get soloncukor. I get everything that I like, that I like, that I like, because why, why will you let them give you the bad memories? So I reclaim the shit that I like doing and I fucking do it. And I'm telling you, so let's start with that frame of mind of what is it that you really like? And if it's not decorating and not doing stuff, then maybe that's a great place to start for you personally, for your family, for your choices. Okay. But let's get into the social aspects of it. Um, so number one on my list of how to survive the holidays, you know, Nike said, just do it. And I'm saying, just don't do it. If you don't want to do something, why? why? Why are you doing it? Don't fucking do it. And so many times before I was married, I would find myself going to uh, this house, then driving an hour to that house, and then the next morning waking up, going across town to that person's house in traffic and then the other house. And I was exhausted. By December 25th in the evening, I, I was ready to put a bullet in my brain. And, and that's not the holidays, right? Because I don't want to do all that. And I didn't want to see those people and I didn't want to eat their crappy food and I didn't want to talk to them. And here I am doing the exact thing I did not want to do. And the reason I did that stuff was guilt. 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 It's a powerful motivator. <laughs> and um, as I mentioned, my good, I love Wayne Dyer. There's a book called the Your Erroneous Zones. If you if you read one self-help book in your entire life, pick up, it's called Your Erroneous, E-R-R-O-N-E-O-U-S, Zone. The word erroneous, it sounds like erogenous, like, you know, sexual stuff, but it ain't. Um your erroneous ones, pick it up. He's a, he was a therapist. He's dead now. And he wrote this book that was like the launching pad for so much self-help crap. And, but it makes sense, dude. It's like very practical. It's, you know, um, and his, like one of the early chapters is about not being motivated by guilt because that's a really crappy place to live out of is feeling like you have to feeling like, Oh, I have, but I have to, do you really? Because I have to tell you that if there's somebody in your life that makes you feel like you have to do something or they won't be pleased with you, chances are that person's not looking out for your interest. Um, You know, for instance, like if I had a friend who couldn't make it to my celebration and um, she called me and was like, listen, I'm just, I can't, I'm tired. I'd be like, yeah, of course, stay home. (laughs) Right? Because you get it. I mean, would I like to see that? Yeah, of course. But... So what? They'll come over when they're ready. Okay? Um, But guilt is its just the shittiest motivator, and it it never feels good. And it's also, it makes you angry, doesn't it? So now you're doing the thing you don't want to do, seeing the people you don't want to see, and it's pissing you off. And now you're angry. And you're angry with yourself, really, because you fell into the guilt trap. You fell into it. Uh, Yeah. So don't fall, don't you dare succumb to the guilt. Of, of the holidays. Okay. The one thing I really detest about the holidays is, um, arbitrary gift giving. You know, I just, I, I like giving gifts to, um, uh, my husband and my child. I think it's for children. The older you get, I think Christmas becomes more for children. But, um, I remember there was a time when I, when I was working in offices and that pressure to like, <laughs> right, give something to, Lynette in accounting and Tracy in human resources and then the boss and then the secretary and then the and you're broke like you don't got time or money to be doing any of that crap. And I remember one time in my 20s, I had this idea of just baking cookies for people and even just like the shitty toll house ones. I mean, think about it. Who doesn't like getting cookies? Like you, you just bake them and then you put them in saran wrap and you put a bow on it. Like you just tie a red thing around it and then you're like, Merry Christmas. Nobody's going to, (laughs) nobody's going to, um, crap on that just because of the effort that that took, you know? Anyway, that's my suggestion for broke people is just bake cookies, um, And why do you have to buy stuff for everybody? I I think that's insanity. I I don't, I don't personally, I don't care. If you're an adult, uh, don't expect a gift from me. Same, same for your fucking birthday too. I, I don't care if it's your birthday and you're over, I'd say, I'd say 21 is the last birthday. No, no, no. Sorry. 30. The decades are important, right? 21, 30, 40. If those are important birthdays, you get a gift. Fuck you for every other gift. I'm not going to get you a card if we're two adults. Like, who cares? Just be glad you're alive. Don't expect me to give you a fucking gift. It's so childish. It's so childish. (laughs) Plus, if you're over 40, I mean, you already have all the crap you need. What what am I going to ask for somebody? It's like, it's so insane. I have too much crap in my house as it is. I I already have an Amazon addiction problem. You know, everything I want, I can just click a button and it gets delivered to me the next day. It's pretty miraculous. Okay, Uh, number three, minimize time with shitty people. So unfortunately, if you're married or you're in a couplehood or whatever situation, you're going to have to spend time with people you don't like, people who don't get you, people who might be living in an alternate reality, uh, people who are drunk people who suck. Minimize that time. I don't think there's anything wrong with protecting yourself, protecting yourself, taking active steps. Um, If you know you're going to someone's house that you don't like, I would express that to your friend, spouse, whoever. Hey, you know what? I'm really uncomfortable around blah, blah, blah. And if that person cares about you, cares about your feelings, not person might understand now there's a tactful way to say these things. You don't want to be like, Hey, your drunk sister's a piece of shit, and I don't like being around her. Um, the polite way might be, You, you know what? I, I'm not, I just feel, I get really weird around so and so. I feel weird. Uh, you know, she makes me, there's something in me that gets activated when I'm around her. You know, it's not her, it's me kind of thing. Um, and that way you can plan around those people now. I don't like to be alone with those kinds of people. I've told my husband repeatedly, there are people in both of our families who I don't like being alone around and I will plan accordingly to not be alone with said people. What does that mean? Um, I don't get left behind with that person alone in the house. I don't go to dinners, lunches, buffets, brunches, horse shows, whatever with said person. I bring a buffer This is a wonderful tactic for dealing with the mentally ill. I did this with my mother for many years uh, before we cut communication. She would demand to meet me for lunches and then she would just be horrible to me and just, you know, tearing into me about everything. You look like shit. You know what you need on your jean jacket? You need a brooch. You should be wearing more brooches. Your hair could be fluffier why don't you blow dry it a little bit? Like just nonsense. Right. And so I got wise to this abuse and I started bringing friends <laughs> and then she got wise to it. <laughs> and then she would get mad at me cause she couldn't abuse me. Right. If I had a friend there, she couldn't say horrible shit to me and she'd be, I want to meet you alone. No friends. And that's when we stopped hanging out because I was like, uh, ner ner brobo so if you know there's going to be somebody that makes you really uncomfortable um, minimize time don't be alone and express that to your partner and find a fucking um, an exit strategy see this all this stuff I've learned to do over the years it's it's called self-preservation folks it's planning and the more information you have you can kind of plan so ask who's going to be there if you know there's somebody you're not interested in speaking with or being around make sure, ask, is so-and-so going to be there? Oh, they are? Well, here's the plan. <laughs> okay. Number four, do not overbook yourself. I uh, I think that's the cause of all misery and suffering in the holidays is overdoing it. Now we're going to have people over here for Thanksgiving and we're kind of quite a few people and I'm not cooking. That's like number one. I I, I don't have the energy and I neither does my husband and we've We've both decided that we're not cooking, but we're, we made prior arrangements. We made other arrangements. So you can do things, but we're going to order food from you know, uh, Whole Foods or whatever, and we're going to eat that shit, and it's going to be fine. Who cares? But don't overbook it, man. Do one thing, do two things, but that's usually what lends itself to misery, and then you feel resentful right, for doing too many things. And have hard outs. Yeah, I can come over, but i got to go at 5 p.m., Well, the dog has to get let out. Yeah, you can't leave the dog alone too long, so we got to go home. Um, Number five, don't take things personally. If there is a crappy family member, person, whomever who uh, is just horrible, just remember that that person is horrible and it's their problem. And it, you know, all this stuff, it it usually has nothing to do with you. I mean, think about it. If somebody's miserable to you, (laughs) you're like, wait, why are you... Am I really the root cause? No, boo-boos. It's always them. So don't take stuff personally if you do run into a crappy person. Um, number six, some of you don't have loved ones or people or friends. Maybe you're new in a town and you don't uh, you don't have that stuff yet. But don't be alone. I think that being alone on the holidays, um, I've done it. One time I was accidentally alone. I was uh, in college and I couldn't get home. And it was so depressing. It was like the worst. Um, I ended up in a diner and I I had cheeseburgers for dinner on Thanksgiving once. Uh, But uh, don't do it. It sucks. I've done it. It's the worst. So don't be alone. And what can you do instead? Well, there's lots of things. You can volunteer. I would go to a homeless shelter, a soup kitchen. I would feed homeless people. I would go hang with the elderly. Um, You can walk into any retirement home and be like, hey, I'd love to hang out, play checkers with, talk to whomever is here and who doesn't, you know. Who needs to be talked to. And uh, guess what? Comedy clubs never close really. I think comedy clubs are open like every day except for Christmas day, I want to say. Because um, they just asked my veils for like Thanksgiving and Christmas. I'm like, no way. But I know the Laugh Factory does an all day thing on Thanksgiving um, here in LA. So if you're alone, you can go to a comedy club and laugh instead of being uh, alone. So there you go. Number seven, don't feel guilty for not feeling cheerful. I can't tell you enough, like, I think that's the biggest cause of suffering in the holidays is the expectation that things will be perfect and you're going to feel perfect. And, you know, no holiday, (laughs) I've never had a perfect Christmas. No, that's not true. One time um, on Thanksgiving, Tom and I went to Lanai uh, we stayed at the Four Seasons, and that may have been the most perfect Thanksgiving. But well, that's because we went away, and I was I was in Hawaii with my husband. It was just the two of us, you know, no, no responsibility, no children. Uh, and that was perfect. But generally, they're not perfect, especially if you're dealing with family members and people. So just prepare yourself for it not being perfect. Um, and also, I think being good to yourself. You know, we go around doing so much for other people this time of year, but uh, I always buy stuff for me. And I know that's probably selfish, but I don't care because it's also just a time to be kind to you. What about you? You know, this is the last month of the year. Why not buy yourself a nicer pair of pants than you normally would? Why not buy yourself a pair of boots or whatever? You're spending all this money on crap for other people, but why not you? Maybe you should get your hair done, girl. Get your nails done right. I don't know. Whatever it is. Get some frozen yogurt. Shit. Get some carob chips on that. You can do that. Get your sprinkles on it. Do whatever you want. That's the thing with the holiday. I mean, I used to feel so restricted. Like, we have to do this this way. We have to do things the right way. All right. Well, that's going to be not fun for anyone. And Number 10. Number 10 which has probably been the most liberating thing that I've ever, ever, ever done with the holidays, is that maybe you're going to spend the holidays not with your family. Yeah. Maybe you're going to spend the holidays without being related to a single person in that room by blood. Maybe you're going to spend it with friends. Maybe you're going to spend it with people that you really enjoy being around. Um, This Thanksgiving, Tom and I are having a few comics over. We're doing... Orphan Thanksgiving for people who can't get back to their loved ones, com- comedians generally. And it's like my favorite thing. We, we end up doing it every few years and they're just the best because those are the people I, I like being around the most are comics for God's sakes. And they come over and, and it's like the best thing. So don't feel bad about that. Find the other orphans, find the other, find your tribe members and um, yeah, and spend it with them. Don't spend it with people you're related to. If the people you're related to fucking suck it. Okay. Let's get into some, uh, some emails, my love. This first one broke my heart when I read this. Okay. Let's see if I can say this person's name. I don't think so. Brian writes, Hey mommy, I have a problem that only someone as hydrated as you can help me with. Thank you. I turned 30 in a few months and I've been working on getting my life and leave all the stupid bullshit in my 20s. Good for you. I finally started going to therapy. Yes. Have been eating healthy. Yes. Exercising and started a podcast about music and concerts. It's called Keep Rock Alive Podcast. Well, good. There's your shout out, bro. Keep Rock Alive, guys. Go listen to Brian's podcast. I have even cut out all of my extended family. That's a whole other email, he writes. But I'm finally enjoying holidays again, not having to see them. Amen. Preach. But here's my problem. I've never really had much success with girls, and it hasn't really bothered me that much being single. But recently, I've started getting lonely and missing all that dumb relationship stuff, someone to text with, going for meals with, etc. I've tried finding someone this year and have three failed attempts. The problem is I take rejection really hard, and I always seem to take a giant step back after Last time I was dumped, I turned to delicious carbs and weed and put back the 10 pounds that I had lost. Since then, I've started working on myself again and haven't reactivated any of the dating sites or tried looking for someone. I've just been trying to decide. So I keep trying and re-download the dating apps, or do I just take more time and just hope I can get into a much better headspace and not take rejection so badly? Thanks for all the podcasts. Okay. Uh, So you're asking, do I keep trying and redownload the dating apps or do I just take more time and just hope I can get into a much better headspace so I don't take the rejection so badly? I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, dating is terrible. I I don't know. I think it's, I think, I think the dating world is so portrayed, um, at least in movies and television, it's, it's portrayed, as like the great excitement of the the dating and, or maybe not. No, they do portray it pretty realistically sometimes too, but I mean, the expectations are high on that. Right. Um, and from what I gather on these dating apps is that there's a lot of riffraff on them. There's a lot of crappy people on the dating apps on the tenders of the world and you're bound to you're actually more likely to run into sociopaths, people who lie to you, um, people who will crush you, um, especially if you're a nice guy. I find that the dating apps are just brutal. I mean, I have a, a male friend who's single and he, he'll send me screenshots of these absolute horrors of human beings um, that are in his neighborhood. And it, it's like, dude, is this is this how it's done so I will say um, it sounds to me like dating apps are fucking terrible I know it's how people are doing things um, but I haven't heard a lot of good I don't know I just haven't heard a lot of great stuff about it but let me say this my love Brian you sound like a sensitive sweet guy who's got his shit together and now you're 30 and now you're at that magic age where women want to get married fucking great because for guys like you, the marrying kinds, the twenties are not for you. Just like they were not for me or my husband. My husband wasn't like a big, you know, poon hound. I don't think either. Uh, that's what he says. Who knows? Who knows what a pig my husband was. But the point being that for people like you, who who it sounds like you enjoy monogamy, and you probably you like you, you list, you want to text with somebody, go for meals, you want to have the relationship. I don't think the app world is the world necessarily, or maybe it's the right kind of app is what I'm saying. I don't know. You don't list what kind of apps you're looking at. Um, I always say this to people. It's like, go for the common interest thing. Um, Volunteer places that do shit that you like doing. And I think that's where you're going to meet the people you should be hanging with. Uh, I met my husband at a comedy club because I like comedy and it's, been the greatest relationship and love of my life. I would, I would prefer you meet people through other people, through social gatherings, through friends who can vet these people for you, because I think the likelihood of you getting crushed over and over and over again is so high on these apps because that's apparently what it is. It's a, you know, it dehumanizes the, the dating process. It dehumanizes the human process. I mean, how vulgar, to reduce somebody to a swipe left or a swipe right based on a photograph and a few words that, you know, maybe a bad lighting on a photograph, maybe great lighting on a photograph it misleads you. You don't even know who that person is. that could be a total psycho. Um, it's a, it's landmines, dude. It's just landmines. So you like rock music, go to more concerts. Go and find the girl who's into the same bands you are. Um, if you're a musician, are you playing live? Let's see. You don't, you don't say if you're a musician, but, um, yeah, go, go out into the world. My millennials go meet the people in the world because the apps I I think are very bummery. Now the second part to this, Brian, I will say is that dating is fraught with rejection. The dating world is nothing but rejection. It sucks. It's so horrible. And I, I hated it. I absolutely hated dating. I I just hate it. And I don't blame you for not wanting to get shot down and, and get your heart torn out. It sucks. That being said, it's kind of a necessary step to finding the relationship you do want. So you kind of have to man up here. You got to suck it up and you got to put your armor on a little bit. And maybe vet these girls a little more closely before you get attached to them. Um, maybe play it a little more Jackie Onassis, right? A little aloof and mysterious before you show your entire cards, uh, your entire hand rather, uh, to a lady. Um, but it is a contact sport. It sucks. Dating is so fucking terrible and vulgar. Um, <laughs> But unfortunately, you do have to do it and you will get hurt again and again. And there's nothing I can do or say that won't prevent you from getting hurt over and over again. But like all forms of rejection, um, you get used to it. You just get used to the bites, the snake bites, right? You take the venom, you take the venom, you take the venom. As Joe Rogan once told me of people commenting on YouTube videos. You get used to the poison of the bad date. And you also can smell the, the bad egg earlier, the more you do it, you know, um, you should be able to see those red flags a little bit quicker. Um, so that you're not totally taken aback when a girl, you know, rejects you or whatever is going on. Cause there are signs, you know, there are signs. It just sucks in our society. It's very hard. I do feel bad for dudes because you have to be the aggressor, You know, you have to be the one to make moves and to call or text. I'm sorry, not even call, text, Um, right? I know on some of the apps, the girl gets to decide who she swipes right on or whatever the girl leads that bullshit text exchange. It's so gross to me that that that's what it's been reduced to is like, hey, text me. (laughs) Let's do the most impersonal form of communication. The form of communication that can be so misconstrued I mean, how many texts have you read incorrectly? Just like there's no tone. There's no, you know, most of human communication takes place with body language and the unspoken. And I mean, what a travesty, what an absolute garbage fire the dating world has to be now. I My heart goes out to anybody dating because Godspeed. I, you know what? I'm going to tell you, Brian, fuck it. Delete the apps. Don't do it. You don't need them. Um, I think that I don't, I don't. I, I don't see the kind of girl you're interested in being uh, being out there. Anyway, if you're interested in Brian, <laughs> do you live in Calgary? Brian does. Email me, that's podcast at gmail.com, and I will forward your email to Brian. Do you like music? Are you in shape? Do you like podcasts? <laughs> there you go. Uh, Yeah, I'm sorry. It's It's got to be tough in this era, especially when people are, I don't know though, cause I always talk to strangers. People seem, the irony is, okay, yeah, we're not talking to each other as much. That's the theory. But the irony is when I actually do talk to strangers, they're so, they're fine. People love it. People like talking and millennials too. They get such a bad rap. I was at the mall today with my kiddo. And I talked to several millennial salespeople and they, they're great. They're fine. There's no problem. They're fine. They're fucking fine. Okay? Okay? <sighs> okay. What the fuck did I want to do? I don't want to read that one. That one's too crazy. Um, Okay. No, that one's too much. We only have a little bit of time. I got 10 minutes left on this. Okay. This is, uh, this is from... Shelby. Okay. Okay. Hi, Christina. I'm so glad I found this podcast for your mom's house because I've definitely felt like an alien for a long time. And it's nice to know I'm not alone in the motherly dysfunction. Thankfully, I decided to cut her off from my life after 24 years of living with her terrible life and love choices with support of my boyfriend and the few sane family members I have. It feels so freeing not having direct contact with her, but my problem lies in the family that still has contact with her, mainly my younger brother. He is 17, living with his father, and has formed nearly the same opinion of her on his own that I have. I'm so proud of that, yet I think he still holds hope that she'll pull herself from her addiction and be the mom he's needed her to be since he was three years old. I don't blame him at all for wanting that, as I'm sure everyone in our family does. We just know that she's been going hard on both intravenous and non-intravenous drugs along with alcohol for the past 15 years, so the possibilities of her getting her life are low. My worry is that once he turns 18 and is ready to go out into the world, she'll find some way to rope him into caring for her. She is the type to fake serious illnesses to elicit sympathy from us with miraculous cures occurring months later. And I know she'll come up with uh, with some way to guilt trip him into forgetting all the horrible shit he done to us. We've been siblings at arms through her constant neglect and mistreatment of us, and I'm so scared that he'll go down the same destructive path as she is. How do I help him realize... That he can have hope from a distance without forcing him to also realize that we may not have the relationship that we want with her in this lifetime. I can't take any more hope from my littlest and favorite jeans, but I don't want it to be too late for him as far as sharing in her addictions because it almost was for me several times. Thanks so much, jeans, and please keep doing the things you do. This podcast, Shelby. So, Shelby, the, the fear—I'm—I'm I'm not sure I understand, but I'm—you're you're afraid that he's going to what form the same addictions as your mother, and then he's not going to realize that she's um, unfit and that she's never going to come around. That's the concern. Okay. Well, it sounds like he's 17, living with his father, so that's good. So he's not living under her roof, but you're afraid that he's still going to be sucked into her drama and her bullshit, right? Here's the good news. Here's what I found. Um, Actually, no, let's start here. Um, Shelby, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, really, there's nothing you can you can't control other people. We know this, right? We we can't control other people's thoughts, behaviors, actions. We can't stop your brother from doing what he is going to do. You can't can't do it. So that is number one. We have to accept the fact that he is going to be eighteen, he's of his own volition. And uh, you cannot protect him from making any sort of decisions he's going to make. And that is a huge bummer. Yeah. Um, he's 17. He's almost out of the nest. So whatever work you, you and your father have done by way of showing him the light about your mom, um, I hope you guys have done enough because you don't have much to say about it when 18 rolls around. Um, and that, I'm sorry, but that's just the the truth. You can, you know, you can, you can tell him point blank, Hey dude, don't get roped into mom's bullshit. You know, if I were you, I'd cut contact, blah, blah, blah. You can say all that stuff. Um, I just don't know if it falls on deaf ears because I got to tell you the need for a mommy or a daddy is so hardwired into us as human beings that we chase that dragon forever unless it is resolved in therapy, guys. So the point being is that it's such a primal pull to want your mommy and to want your daddy. that to fight that pull takes a Herculean effort, which congratulations, by the way, of you doing because that's, you know, it's, it's impossible. It's, it's very hard to admit that you don't have ideal parents and that you're never going to have. But it took you time, right? You're, uh, you said you're 24 years. You're a little bit older than him. It's going to take him some time to accept that he's not going to have a mommy. So the death of mommy, um, and she is dead, right? Okay. She's dead because she's an addict. And unless has a come to Jesus on such a huge level um, and completely gets her shit together and goes to rehab and becomes a different person, it may not happen in this lifetime. It's unlikely, right? It sounds to me like it's not very likely. So she's gone. Now, he's still a boo-boo. He's still young. And it may take time for him. He's going to have to uh, get those lessons learned, unfortunately. Um, he's going to have to be hurt a few more times. If if you feel that he will go back to her, you know he's going to have to learn those lessons. And especially at that age, at 18, good luck trying to tell a boy what to do. Now, here's the good news. Here's the positive side to this, which I have seen over and over is that generally, generally, and I don't know why, but boys seem to have an easier time of being more indifferent to crappy parents. Meaning, I've seen it, it's a lot harder for the girls who are enmeshed with their mommies. The sons tend to be like, I'm out, (laughs) later. Uh, And that's really great. (laughs) And, and also an attitude I have learned to adopt, adapt, adapt from men, watching men. I mentioned this two podcasts ago that sometimes the best, the best strategy of doing something is doing nothing, is ignoring, is disregarding, is, you know, this and that. And really, I would just encourage you to encourage that in him a little more callousness towards mom. (laughs) A little more F you to mom. And look, if he hasn't ruined his life now already, I mean, he's 17. If he's holding it down, he may be okay. Um, Because usually the stuff rears its head before, right? We're talking 14 and they're already on drugs too. If, you know, it gets harder. Okay. The point is, let's hope he's resilient and let's hope that by you uh, setting an example, Shelby, that's all you can do is set a positive example, right? You can't really tell people what to do, but you can be a beacon, a light, the light of the behaviors that we should be, uh, we should be having. So when he comes crying to you that mom is faking some bullshit illness, uh, you can say, yes, that is what she does. And she will continue to do that. Do you think that that's something you want to keep participating in? (laughs) Um, You can, you just have to wait for it to happen, my love, and you can um, offer him counsel when it does, but you cannot prevent, unfortunately. You can send him to go live in another country, <laughs> which is what I would be inclined to do. Does he want to go to the military? <laughs> no, I wouldn't send him to the military either, but uh, just because I wouldn't want him to get harmed. So I'm sorry, my love. I know your inclination to protect your brother it must be excruciating just knowing that it's coming. Um, I had a similar family, so not, not exactly this, but I did have a younger person in the family who, let's say, I, I saw on their horizon stuff coming and simply said, I'm here. I'm here. If you need to talk, I'm always here. I'm always the example. I'm always the, the rock, okay, because he doesn't have mommy And maybe to some extent, you're unfortunately a mother, a maternal figure or whatever, your sister, you're not supposed to be a maternal figure, but you are, let him know that you're the rock because that's what everybody needs is a mommy who's a rock, somebody who's stable, who's going to, to let, you know, to be there. So make yourself the rock in his life and support him and don't yell at him when he, he may go back to her and he may participate in the drama. But I have a feeling, my love, because you had the courage to cut contact. I have a feeling he may follow suit. I don't know his temperament, I don't know his demeanor, but um if he looks up to you and and I'm hoping he does, he may follow suit by following your example. so there you go, all right, guys I gotta go I gotta go uh feed my dogs. It is five o'clock. it is their dinner time. big night around here, big night. Um. thank you for downloading this episode if you want to email me go to that's deep bro that's deep bro podcast at gmail.com and I will see you next week my loves until then have a great Thanksgiving hold your shit together now what I don't know philosophize with philosophize with, with. <laughs>